Thanks, Brian. Hey, if you are one of the youth kids, you guys are dismissed. Uh, you guys are going to have a fun show. I can guarantee you that. It might get a little, it might get a little loud, but it'll be all right. I love how excited they are to leave me talking. awesome all right we have two more weeks of the series disciple making uh, what that whole process looks like what we have been talking about what it is to be a disciple maker um, what the what that has been entailing uh, through us uh, throughout this time and so I'm really excited to, to do that and it's and it's begun and it's it's going to continue to, to dive into Matthew 28 in uh, 18 through 20, and I know I've said this multiple times, uh, but we have to continue that Jesus' last words are, are our first step, and it talks about, Jesus said, uh, says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we've talked about this process of investing your life into other people, and in them, uh, and what discipleship really is, is investing your life, but then seeing that person invest their life into someone else in that continual all right, nice, of, of what, that, what that leads into. So dis, disciple-making is intentionally entering into someone's life to help them know and follow Jesus and teach them to obey his commands. Remember that discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. All of this stuff has been talked about multiple times over and over again the past few weeks, but it has to be something that is remembered, is ingrained. Uh, a few weeks ago, before we did Family Sunday, which weren't the kids very excited to knock over that house? A little too excited. Yes, the house on the rock, I was actually a little nervous for that we could hold it, uh, but the, the house... Uh, we talked about the marks, the M-A-R-C-S, of, of what a disciple-making is. Are you missional thinking? The M, are you missional thinking? Have you been missional thinking? Ask yourself right now in your life, uh, is there a person, a person of peace that you could share the gospel with? Are you thinking of sharing the gospel with anyone? Are you thinking of living your life out in such a way to impact someone else's life? Are you missional? Next up, are you accountable? Is there anyone in your life right now that holds you to a standard? Is there anyone that holds you accountable in your life? You know, we, we pushed this back, I think it was four weeks ago or five weeks ago. Are you still at the same place four to five weeks ago? Because I challenge you to find someone, if not, or I challenge you, to, is there someone that could hold you to a standard? <clears throat> I can say that this is in conviction. 
So there's a group that I meet with, and I, we're, we're working on memori- memorizing scripture together, and we work on that. And there's one verse that I am not really good at. And of course, what verse do I get? There's seven other verses, but I get my verse. You know what I did? That accountability made me make sure I knew it by the next week. Because there was a standard that I was letting the rest of the guys down that I didn't know it to the level of what I needed it to be. And so there's accountability. Even in our lives, are we held accountable? Is there someone, and when I ask this, is there someone that you hold to a spiritually level that it can hold you accountable? Are reproducible. Who are the people that you pour your life into? Who are those people? Are you being reproducible in your life? And then communal, see. Like, I, I think so many times this church as a family, we need to, you know, we need to treat it as such. It's a family. We need to be thankful for it. We need to love the opportunity that we still have an opportunity to gather. I talked about the stuff that happens all around the world where there's restrictions of gathering. There's restrictions of doing that. We have the privilege to being in a family of believers. And finally, S is scripture. Does the Bible not just impact you, but does it lead you in the way you live? Does this right here make a daily impact? Are we being disciples? If we are being disciples, uh, there's a few things that, that we must also create. And uh, one big thing that I'm learning is culture plays a huge part into that. And so we're going to talk about point number one today. Uh, the first point is basically what is going on and it's the most common culture thing. It is a delivery culture. A delivery culture or what I like to call Amazon. We like things delivered. Yeah, we need to be at church that is a uh, disciple to go out and be the church. So we need to be a church that is, that is disciple to go out and be the church instead of people being uh, reliant upon the church. What I mean by this is that we as a society have become a delivery culture. We are a culture that likes to consume. We... We like a culture that says, oh, two-day free delivery, I want it in one. I, don't, I want it now. And I am too tired to drive to Target five miles away because they could deliver it to me. We are a delivery culture. Like, that is the thing. And they're, they're, the consumerism is in that. That's why, why are they getting faster at it? Why can I now order something they now get it the same day? Now, now they're doing groceries. They're fi- fixing in that, and that is their culture. But it's, it's in other areas as well. YouTube. I want to know right now how to fix this. Boom, I can watch a video. Done. I got it. Or back in the day, you had to find someone that knew what they were talking about. Like, it might take a little bit. It might be a little bit, a longer bit of time, but we want it now. And we want it, like, quick. We have become a consumer. The problem is, is when that consumerism enters the church, 
when the church becomes a consumer or a delivery culture. That can be dangerous. And I'm not saying that this church is it, but it could become it if we're not careful of what culture we're trying to create. And the thing is, is this is not just a church issue. This could also be a pastor's issue because pastors can create a consumer culture because it becomes easy because there's a trade-off because there's a win-win for the delivery culture because if there's certain things set up, I can guarantee if there's a youth program, there's this program and this program, then I can guarantee that, okay, you'll come to this, you'll be in the seats, and you'll give money to, to have it continue. And then the cycle continues. And you're like, well, John, what's wrong with that? Well, I'll give you some examples. <laughs> well, for, uh, first I wanna tell a story before we, uh, we dive into the scripture. Delivery culture is something when, when looking at this, it's so easy to look out and you could see, I could name some, like you look at some different churches and you can pick different churches. But then it's a lot harder when you can start looking into your own life. Man. So I was a Youth for Christ director uh, at Cherubusco for a while. And then I was uh, the youth pastor at New Covenant for a while. And what we did, and I was a part of both of them, no, both places we did a Florida spring break trip where we would gather a bunch of kids and we would take them down. Now, usually I was in the range of around 30 to 40 kids taking from Youth for Christ or from the church around that area, sometimes higher, sometimes lower. But we would take them on a trip to Florida with another big group. So there was around 200 kids, okay, total for a week, high school kids. Fun times, mm, tiring times, take them on, but also great times because there was these times where they got to, I got to know them more, but I've started to learn about year three. What was huge is they got to learn me more because usually like if they only saw me like a couple times a week, you know, you could pass people. That's not who they are. That's fake. They're nice or whatever, but they saw me for a full week, tired, who I was, what I was about. So there was great conversations. We, did, we had baptisms. People found Christ. There was a lot of good things. But then I would get home, get home, and, you know, I'd walk in, and, you know, I'm away from my wife. I'm away from my, and I get home, and the church would say, some people would say, first thing they would ring up, they'd be like, hey, John, how was your vacation? The perception of, oh, that was a nice vacation. Yes, exactly how I want to spend every vacation. But what I had done is I had created a delivery culture that if you give me your kids, I'll take them away. I'll babysit your kids. I'll do this for a little bit. You know, and I had created a culture where they were not invested, they were not part of what it was. So many times it's easy to look at them, but what had I created? Yes, it was a good thing, but they weren't praying because they didn't really, they weren't invested into the kids. They weren't invested into that. And so what I had created was a delivery culture. If I do this, 
I will provide this, and I will provide that, and so this is the service for you, for you. I had created something that I didn't want. So we're going to take a look at this uh, of what we should create, and that is going to be the two, the developmental, the development culture. And we're going to be in Ephesians 4 today, and we're really going to focus on 11 and 12, but I'm going to read 1 through 16 because it's just beautiful about what God is doing, and I think we need to do. To, to be a development culture and what that looks like. So when we get to verses 10, 11, and 12, that's where we'll really be. But I, I want you to just hear it as we, uh, we uh, start reading. This is the NIV version. It goes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appropriates it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their uh, deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, growing and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You might be like, oh, this sounds familiar, because we just went through some of this five weeks ago about what it is to be built up. We went through most of this, but I want us to sit in Verses 11 and 12, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, and in verse 12, to equip his people for the work. Now, there's some other, uh, some people say the saints, to equip his people, to equip the saints. And, and who are these saints and who are these people? It's, and what's he talking about? It's the saints are the believers. The saints are anyone who believes on the name of Christ. That's you. Uh, it's what we're, what we're called to do. And we're called to do the work of the ministry. We're called to do the work of the ministry. The problem is, is in a delivery culture, we give it to the pastor to do the work. Or we give it to the youth pastor to do the work. So many times we like, oh, that's a youth pastor's job to do the work. It's actually called that we're all called to do the work. 
and we start to, oh, that, it's that person. It becomes easily someone else's job. So I was digging into uh, this commentary by Francis uh, Folkes, and just so you know, I uh, was looking at it in the library downstairs. So if you ever need resources, that's a little pub for the library ladies. Love you. There, there's commentaries down there as what, uh, what it says, and he talks a lot about how when you're, uh, there, that this is three sections, like what is happening, and they build up on each other. So that the pastors and teachers, his job is to equip the believers, the saints, and that's, my, that's the job that I have and other pastors have is to, to equip you to do the work, to do the work that is called. You hear the kids, it's great. I love it. I told them be as loud as they want. Uh, uh, to equip them for the work of the ministry and build up by the body. So it's building up uh, for each other. So the pastors, the teachers, they have their jobs to equip the saints. But the saints' job is for the work of the ministry. So the work of the ministry, you, you have a job to do. Like it's not just, hey... I got here on Sunday. That was great. I feel like I learned a lot. Peace out. Like, we have become a knowledge-based society. The more you know, it's like, okay, now I can debate with other people and I could do that, but we're not actually doing it. Like the quote that I said, we are actually, we have more knowledge than we have of obedience of doing. We need to have the doing and just not the knowledge. Because we have the ability to read the scripture. We have the ability to learn and to be able to do that. And that is the challenge of building. And then that, the work of the ministry, builds up the body of believers. When you see work done, you see it be built up by other believers and other people. Because you see their work. We were talking in Sunday school just today and just the other day. Of the story, and I won't get into the story, but Doug told a story today. And it empowered the spirit of like... God's working. God worked in his life. I don't know how many years ago. I won't say the age because, Doug, I want you to think you're still young. But what it, like, whatever that age is, but like the stories, like it, God's work through his life empowered me. Like in a sense, it's like, oh, I can do that. I can, like, what are we called to do to what we're called to live it out? And, what, and how do we live it out? Francis says that they're, uh, they're being, that they're being brought. So the word equipping uh, notes the, of the saints to the condition of fitness for the discharge of their functions in the body of the church. If you're a marathon runner, you're going to train a specific way, correct? You probably aren't going to be lifting weights for five hours a day and be like, all right, I'm ready for a marathon. Like, you have to be trained and equipped for what you're doing. If you have a certain job, if I'm a basketball coach, I'm not out there doing batting practice with someone. All right, well, let's get our couple of hits in here. Let's, I'll throw you a few pitches. Like, no, I am trained for what I'm called to do. You are trained, are, are supposed to be trained to equip and make disciples. We are in the development culture of making disciples to train spiritually, and to give your life to build up people. And what are you supposed to build them up for? And that's a good question that we'll get to here shortly. 
What the Bible is trying to say, along with Francis here in these commentaries, is that this is not a delivery service relationship. This is an active uh, in each member's job of what they have to do. The quote that says, we don't want people to be reliant upon the church. We want people to go out and be the church. We want people to go live it out. This building is a huge blessing. This church building is a huge blessing, but this is not where it ends. This is where we gather, where we praise God and worship, but you are the church. You are the church when you go out. You are, we need to become that and how. So when I'm talking about life groups and discipleship groups, this is the culture that I want to be in. This is away from the delivery culture of America and what has happened. Because that's not just what Jesus demonstrated in his life. Jesus built a development culture. The delivery culture is that of consuming with a very little Jesus. And what how some people say is Jesus sprinkled in. In a development culture, the leaders, and this is a quote from Dave DeSelm, says, leaders are to disciple people into being the church rather than simply attracting them to church. Their purpose is to equip, empower, and deploy the saints into the world in order to accomplish the great commission of Jesus. Usually when we're dealing with discipleship, there's a few factors that people like to deal with. They're usually these things, and these are not bad things, but this is usually where it stops. The first one uh, people like to, uh, to deal with is sin management, okay? Like, don't sin, like, these are the sins, like, that's one. The second one usually is, like, spiritual disciplines, like, reading your Bible every day, uh, uh, memorizing scripture, okay? We're two for two, like, we're not supposed to sin, Right? Like, we're supposed to be in the Word. These are all good things. And uh, the third is usually church activities. These are all great things. And make sure you hear me, and it's recorded. These are all great things. But we can, we can be stopped if we don't really, and we can miss the point if we don't dive into the fact that we need to be kingdom-minded and kingdom-missional. That is our ultimate goal. We have to be kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. Like, those are great things, like, but they're so limited of what God has called us to do in the sense that we have to go live it out. Dave, Dave also, Dave DeSelm put it into this context that helped me understand this a little better, and he said this. He put it into the means of the facts that we as believers, saints, need to, one, follow the words of Jesus. We need to follow the words of Jesus. And that is by the way he lived his life. Yes, he, co- he tells that lady to sin no more, you know, but he, was all, the one, the, but he was also there to help protect her and lift her up. Like you can see stories after stories about the way, not just what he said, but what he did. How, how he actually lived it out. We need to follow the words of Jesus. Secondly, we need to embrace the ways of Jesus. 
his ways sometimes are different than our ways, aren't they? Just once in a while. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of missteps. I, I don't like it when I feel like I take the half step and it's like in the wrong direction. You're like, oh, like I wish I was even quicker to turn and embrace his ways and walk in his ways and know his ways. And to do that, and the way you can do that, and, the, and I, these build off each other, is to follow his words. The more you know his words, the more you can walk in his ways, embrace his ways. And I think sometimes the problem in today's culture is we don't embrace his ways. We, I think we accept his ways, but we don't embrace it and live it and breathe it. It's sort of like the story that I told you about when I go, it's that whenever you enter the, the cold water for the first time and you dip your toe in, you're like, that's cold. I don't want to go all the way in. Like, I know it's right. I know I want to go in. Like, and then you get sort of in. But we talked about where, like, right here is the worst part. Like, right here, the stomach area, like, you're like, oh, because for some reason the feet, and you, like, But I think a lot of us, like, we, like, are right here with Jesus, and we don't dive in, embrace all the ways that he wants us to live and live it out. And we're called to embrace it. We're called to embrace his ways. And thirdly, we need to mirror the works of Jesus. We need to mirror the works of Jesus. That is what we're called to do. And this is not just called for pastors. This is not just called for youth pastors. This is not just called for worship leaders. This is not just called for elders. This is, not, this is called for all of us. We're all called to live it out in the developmental culture. And the thing is, is that is what we have to do. And so many times there's times where I, I, I want to come up with the next great quote or next great point, but then you come across something and you read it and you're like, okay, I can't say it any better than that. And so I'm going to read a thing by Dallas Willard, you know, uh, right here. And it's a little bit longer, but I want you to sort of, what does it look like to be a disciple maker? Um, it's usually the, what's in the scripture. There's nothing that tops it, uh, but I like how he uh, illustrates some things here. So let's just uh, take a look. Dallas Willard says this. As Jesus' disciple, I am his apprentice in kingdom living. I am learning from him how to live my life in a kingdom as he would live my life if he were I. I I'm going to keep going, but if Jesus were in your life, how would you live? How would he live? How would he live in your life where you're at right now? Living as Jesus' disciples, I am learning from him how to live my life in the kingdom everywhere I am. In every activity I am engaged in, there are three dimensions of this learning. First, I am learning to do things which Jesus explicitly said to do. It is quite literally nonsense to call Jesus Lord and not do what he said. Lord would mean nothing in such a case then. Of course, I cannot... Do what he said by just 
train, I must train. I must, through appropriate courses of action, become inwardly transformed by grace to become the kind of person in my most thoughts, in most thoughts, feelings, attitudes, and directions of will who will routinely do the kinds of things he said to do. Secondly, I am learning to conduct the usual activities in my life, in home, school, community, business, and in government, in the character and power of Christ. Jesus himself, of course, spent most of his life on earth as an individual contractor. Jesus could have led the ordinary life of an ordinary citizen in all its legitimate respects, but he shows us how to live now as a mother, a father, banker, computer programmer, teacher, or artist in the kingdom. His character and power and personal guidance will lead us into life as it should be in all the areas of human existence. And thirdly, I am learning to exercise the power of the kingdom of Christ in his words and spirit to minister good and to flee evil in all the connections of earthly existence. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Apprenticeship to Jesus means that in tiny steps we learn to exercise the power uh, seen in Jesus. And so to wrap it all up, we are called to be a verb of Jesus, not a noun. Does that make sense? We are called to be a verb, not a noun, in, of Jesus. This is a challenge for us today. What I like about Dallas Willard saying here is that you need to be intentional. Because even if you aren't intentional, you're still making an impact. The problem is, is that we've allowed this viewpoint of consumerism to impact the church. The church is not a delivery culture. The church is a developmental culture. There are some very easy examples. And in the band, if you want to, the worship team, you can come up uh, as I uh, explain this. Because if you're not intentional... If we stick in the delivery culture, what you do makes an impact on no matter if you're intentional or not. Let me give you an example. My wife and I have kids. Some of you have kids. Some of you, even when you're older, you have kids. You still have them. doesn't matter. But they're very influenced when they're young, correct? They just are. So, I could be very intentional. But say every time something bad happens, every time something bad happens, I, I would drink or smoke. Or I would do something. Or, or make it even easier. I would, every time I, I would disengage and just like, hey, I wanna, I'm going to go watch a movie or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out. I'm going to do whatever. You don't think you're discipling your kids, but you're discipling your kids. You're making an impact. They are, they are learning. They are learning. And the reason why is because you have turned and looked inside yourself and you, you're not processing the fact that, that I need to develop my kids. 
I need to pour into them because what, how I handle this, how I leave this situation is how they will see it and how they will grow. It's the call of the church. People watch you all the time. If you say you're a believer, people watch you, correct? It's true. How you live your life, it matters. Because when something bad happens, how you handle it, they're watching. And you know what? They're looking for you to fail because then it gives them an out. They're looking for it because then they don't have to deal with a just and mighty, powerful God. Jesus of all, Jesus who loves us, sent him, he died for us. God sent him to die but rise again and conquer for us. He didn't die just because he loved us. He died because we sinned. We're sinful. And people don't want to deal with that. But your life matters. So we, what I'm trying to switch is, okay, let's intentionally live it out. Let's intentionally, when stuff happens, view it as a chance to show the kingdom and power of the kingdom of God to other people. To be able to, to show the works of God at their hands. Of, yes, this has been a horrible situation, but God still worked in it. God's still ruler and kingdom of all, even though it doesn't look like it works out for me. It doesn't make sense in the human sense, but God is still in charge, and God is still in charge of my life, and he still sits at the throne. Do we live that way? Or do we, when we start, times of trouble happen, our times of praise, we go back into our own self? Do we look at our own self and, and try to do that? And this sermon is just more challenging to myself because I want to be a church of developed culture. That's why when we're talking about having a coach come in, I want to develop the worship team. I want to pour into the worship team. Just I want to pour into the leadership team. I want to pour into that because I believe that's the culture that God wants to continue to create. The thing is, is this is a culture that wants to be part of discipleship. So what I'm excited about is next week is the time where we've been talking about this a long time is, is the process of signing up for life groups, of what that would look like to live life through the week with each other, to have an opportunity to not just see each other on Sunday or one other night, but to actually live life together. And discipleships is coming too, of what it is to intentionally live this out, what the scripture, what the Bible says to live out, how to do that properly. So I'm excited for the next couple weeks, but I wanted to give you an illustration of what I believe the biblical culture is calling us to do. It's not to be uh, a delivery service, but to be that, of a development service. Let's praise. Please stand as you are able.